Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just Stories. Hi, Gene. Uh, it's Mark, and I'm so excited to be with you today and uh, launching this podcast, Just Stories. Uh, we've been working on this together for a little while, along with our compatriot, Cheryl. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing really great. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get this launched and off the ground. I think there are so many great stories of, from so many people that we know collectively, and they're just too good to keep to ourselves. So I'm hoping that the stories that we share in this podcast and the future ones just really ring happiness, truth, and action for our listeners. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I'm still motivated and driven by your words that in the midst of a lot of things happening in our world, we need more positive stories. And we know there's a lot of stories out there, and they can't all be positive. But uh, I'm eager to share with our listeners some stories of real good things happening. And I know that, uh, you know, we've already heard some of them and we're excited to share them with our listeners. And I want to hear one, one today or maybe a couple of stories today from our guest. Who do, we, who do we have on starting us off with Just Stories today, Jean? Oh, we have a great individual. His name is Ad Tu and he comes to us from Chicago. And I know Ad Tu, I've known him for over eight years, maybe close to 10 years. And the way that I know him is that he has come into our high school, this school where I teach, um, to share what he knows um, about advocacy and music to the high schoolers who are there. Um, and he has such a strong, positive message about how to live your life and how to make good choices and how to do it creatively through artistry and advocacy. Um, let me just read you a little bit from his bio because really he deserves all this. So yeah, um, great. Please do. Yeah. Add to has been captivating listeners since 2008 with his unique blend of hip hop, soul and jazz. And he has been on MTV, on the Grammy Committee, on TEDx Talk, on The Power of Music. He's performed on stage with Grammy Award winners The Roots, as well as Robert Glasper. And in, tw in 2016, he was an Arts of Humanity Humanitarian Award recipient, the uh, School of Audio Engineering Cultural Impact Award recipient. And his work with the youth has been featured on The Steve Harvey Show, Tribeca Film Festival, and Windy City. Lies. I mean, honestly, all that. And, and he's here with us. And I'm so excited because I know he has a lot to talk about with what he works with uh, when he works with youth and um, with his music. He has so much to say and so much to share. So um, let's welcome him in. Add to. Hi, how are you today? Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, great to have you here with us. Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here. This is good. This is like... Um, you know, just like the the first time I got a chance to sit down and really uh, talk to people outside of more so the people who's been in my house. <laughs> so, you know, this is good. Good conversation. So I appreciate this. Well, you're very welcome. Even though we are 
talking with each other. We are still remote and in our own places. And so you're talking to us from Chicago and we're out here in the suburbs. Um, what's been happening with you now that you're in, uh, remote and, and you're still probably very active? Um, what's been happening with you lately? It's been um, an adjustment. Like, I think, you know, the idea of quarantine when you first started, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I could do this. No problem. I love staying at home. I love, you know, saying just eating food in my refrigerator and watching TV. And then after you've watched everything that you could have possibly watched, when you've done everything that you could have possibly done, you're kind of sitting back like, okay, now what? <laughs> and, and how do I maintain my sanity? So um, I've learned a lot about myself from not being able to be as social as I was, even though I was always a homebody. But to not be able to have that at my leisure has been different. And so, um, and just the little things that kind of keep you active and to keep you uh, just on your toes. Like there, it's, it's one thing when all the days just start blending all together. It's like Monday is Wednesday is Saturday is Sunday. It's like, it's all the same thing. So uh, I've just been trying to maintain. I think right now I got a good little handle on it, but, I'll be even better when it's when it's all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all looking forward to that, and hopefully that'll be soon. That'll be soon. You were you grew up you were you were born and raised in Chicago, is that right? Yes, what, yes, I was born what part of town uh, from the South Side. So uh, I'm from an area called West Englewood. And you've been you've been in the city uh, your whole life, then, is that right? Um, for the most part, uh, I've always lived in Chicago until uh, you know okay. I went to college in Indiana at Valparaiso University. And uh, okay. so that was a little bit different. Uh, when I started making music, I was traveling a, l a bunch of places and I would spend like months at a time in certain areas. So I spent a lot of time in New York, spent a lot of time in North Carolina, a uh, little bit of time in L.A. And uh, and then also my family is from Kentucky. So uh, it's, it's it was like a blur, <laughs> just, just all these different areas, different places to be. But. Chicago has always been my favorite place to be. Like it just—it's yeah, just a good. balance, man. It's just you get good food, good people, you know, good energy. The 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 skyline is second to none. So, you know. Yeah. And you've got the. Do you have the Cubs or the White Sox you're rooting for? Are you North Side or South Side? Look, of course, of <laughs> I'm course, I'm, I'm going I'm to say the White Sox, but at the same time. <laughs> It's just <laughs> any team in Chicago winning at this point. I'm just like, please give us something. We'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it. Be a Southsider, but yeah, we'll take anything. That's for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. Sure. So, uh, so add to you. Why don't you? Because uh, I know that you connect with youth a lot. Um, that's one of your passions besides your music. And um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what growing up was like for you in Chicago? Yeah. So. Um, like I said, I, I grew up in West Englewood, and um, I think around the time, like I'm, I'm born in 1986, but uh, of course, my most of my memories come from the 90s. And Chicago in the 90s was making a transition. Um, so especially my neighborhood, um, <clears throat> it started to change. Um, I started to realize that certain things weren't the norm that I thought was the norm. So uh for instance, uh, I'm the second of three children. My mom and my dad, uh, they had three boys and I was the middle child. And in, in my eyes, I think I am the oldest, though, because I act the most mature. But um, <laughs> I was uh, in this space of, 
you know, of course, learning about what it is to be just here, be present. What is your neighborhood? And uh, a lot of things start to change where you start to realize, like, there's there's good and bad. And, you know, I would watch TV and there would be fans of things like Family Matters and uh, these different shows that had like these happy endings. And I've kind of assumed that that was supposed to be how life was. And then when I started meeting my friends, I started realizing the difference between my house and everybody else's household. And so uh, my neighbors were different. I was glad to be on the block where it's felt like everybody was a mixture of different people. So uh, my neighbors on my right side were Jehovah's Witnesses. My neighbors on my left were uh, it was a, a mixed family. And that in the 90s was still kind of rare. It was like you didn't see a lot of people mingling different ways where it was like, so they were the only per- people on the block that were mixed. And then further down, it was like I was the only kid in on my neighborhood that had a mom and a dad in the house. And I didn't realize that that was such a rare thing until I had like an experience with one of my friends. I, we were playing outside and uh, he said, man, can you ask your dad if you can have company? And then I turned around, I was like, no, man, I can't have company. And I said, well, why don't you ask your dad if you can have company? And then he instantly just kind of shut down. And he was like, nah, I don't have a dad. And I was just like, what Wait, my mind doesn't compute you know i didn't understand it and then we talked about those things and i was just like wow i thought this was just a given you know i thought this was something that everybody has and so um you realize your own privilege in certain ways and uh i started to see that and starting to see how privileged i was to have my family the way my structure was uh to also to have the safety that i had because uh, our neighborhood was going through changes. Like this was in the 90s. This was like the, I don't want to say the height, but it was around the time when, uh, you know, for lack of better words, it was the crack era, you know, and there was, our neighborhood was hit heavily with that. So uh, I grew up around a lot of this energy where I just didn't know how to perceive the world from there. It's like, is this world a good place? Is it a safe place? Is it a... You know, like, like, because there's great times and sometimes you don't even know it's bad until you get away from it. And you're like, oh, well, this is different than what I know. Like the norm for me is not necessarily the norm for everybody. So uh, it, it really changed how I thought about life and just the privilege of being present, like it's a blessing to be here. Like you, every day wasn't promised for us. There were things that happened like around the time when I was in fifth grade, that was the first time one of my friends uh, got shot. And also the same year that the guy who I looked up to got killed. And these things just, just made me kind of think like, all right, will I get a chance to live to be an old man? Like, is that a is that a theme? Do we do that? You know, it's like it's all these different things that you never really anticipate, but you start you have a very short amount of time to to grasp a hold of it. So uh it was different, <laughs> if yeah. I could say anything. Yeah, so Ed too, you mentioned just the kind of the privilege of having, you know, a family that you had a mom and a dad, privilege of you mentioned safety, but it wasn't always that safe, I'm sure. 
Um, but you've you've come this far, and it, uh, I imagine that that privilege that you experience and that kind of blessing that you experience has motivated you to what you're doing these days. Um, uh, and I wonder uh, if you can speak to that a little bit, how that drove you towards what you've been uh, taking up as your life's work. So uh, I was inspired very heavily by two people when it comes to uh, advocating for the youth and for the community. Um, one being my father. Uh, my father, uh, he was an army guy. He was from the army reserves. Uh, but he also used to get up very, very early, like about five in the morning on Saturday mornings. And he'd be yelling up and down the block, like while everybody's sleeping on a Saturday. Imagine this. This guy is yelling up and down the block, talking about clean up, clean up. We need to clean our neighborhoods, clean up. Like he would do this mm. marching by himself with a push broom, <laughs> telling everybody to wake up on a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. And he would just be by himself cleaning up. And he was very, very like adamant about um, taking responsibility. He said, don't wait for somebody else to do it. You mm. do it. And he would always be like, if you see something wrong with, you know, the neighborhood, don't complain about it. Go pick it up. And it, it instilled in me this desire to say, like, you have to be a person of action. Like my dad used to tell me, like, just don't don't tell me what you want to do. Tell me about what you did. Like, mm. th- instead of just talking about dreams and hopes and wishes, he was like, tell me what you did. And so I would start applying that logic and saying, like, OK, well, what can I do? And mm. uh, and then I would meet these other mentors in my life. But there was one guy in particular. Um, his name was Mikael Alton. And Mikael Alton was a guy who may have been no more than about like maybe 22, 23 years old. And uh, he was able to have like this little storefront in this neighborhood, like uh, in West Englewood. And it was on 63rd and like Rockwell. Right. And so it was just a storefront. I don't even know what they sold. They don't even had. I don't think it had anything in the front. Now I think about it. But in the back room, he had a computer and a microphone. And my friends, it was about five of us. We somehow ran into him and he invited us there to record. And we're all like 17, 16 years old. And we've never had that level of freedom. We always wanted to go to a studio. And here we are with this opportunity. And when we first walked into the studio, we would say, uh, all right, so what can we say? You know, like, what, what are we allowed to say? Like, we think it's like school. <laughs> and so he was like, say whatever you want to say. And we were like, what? You're crazy. Like, and so he was like, yeah, say whatever you want to say. And he didn't judge us or anything. He just was like, just just gave us a, a chance to be ourselves. Or even not necessarily ourselves, but who we wanted to be in that moment. And so, uh, you know, we had our rap names. We would start calling each other by our rap names. And uh, that was the first time I was able to be add to to somebody. You know, I was always Andre. I was Dre on the on 65th or whatever it was. But this was the first time I was able to be the name that I gave myself. And it, it was very empowering. And uh, we would sit there at this space and record all day. And it kept me out of trouble. That was at a time when I was getting into trouble. I was wanted to be around some of the guys in the neighborhood and they were all my friends I grew up with. But then I had a new crowd of friends who were doing this thing that I was passionate about. They were all rapping and we, we loved it. We loved how it made us feel. We were like, man, this, this was like a, the great equalizer to us, you know, 
where now we're respected for our words. I don't have to be respected for how tough I am or how tough I'm trying to be. Uh, and it was necessary. And so it took me out of that equation of, all right, I got ample time. And all I want to do is prove myself to the older guys about, you know, my loyalty or uh, just wanting to be cool. And it was great because Mikael gave us that space to be ourselves. And I always said, like, if I could ever get into a same position, if I could do something like that, or the feeling that he gave us, that freedom, I would do it. And that is exactly what I ended up doing when I opened up my studio. It was like, man, we're going to open up a free studio on the south side of Chicago. And it's going to be just, they just able to walk in and do whatever they want to do, say whatever they want to say. And the crazy part is we're like in the basement of a church. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, at first I was told the church, I was like, hey, they might be saying some things you don't want to hear. <laughs> and they were like, it's okay, it's cool. And because we give people that freedom to express themselves, to tell their stories as, as you know, they want to tell it, we get a better idea of context. You know, we get a better idea of who they were before this moment where we meet them. And that story helps me to to get a better grasp of how I can help, how I can be involved uh, and and how I could be a presence in your life. So uh, that those those elements motivated me to do the work that I'm doing right now. And it's the 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 passion of my life. That certainly is. And so this, the name of the studio is called Haven Studio. <laughs> and I think it's a beautiful name because it's a haven for every young person who wants to make a different choice, a positive choice, a creative choice. And who better to usher them in through that uh, experience than a person like you and your cohorts as well. You also um, host... Um, writing sessions like rap writing sessions and things like that for them can you just talk us talk to us a little bit about that as well yeah, yeah. so uh on saturdays at the at young chicago authors uh we have this thing called rec shop and rec shop is like a writing workshop where we improve on skills and do different challenges as well like it's 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 not like a typical writing session like there's times when i'll give them challenges where i'm like all right you know, you got to write from a uh, write a rhyme about, you know, a Disney movie like and everybody has a different Disney movie that they have to sum up somehow in 16 bars. And then I'll have other challenges. We used to do like a, a maze where when, of course, when everything was open, uh, people would have like an obstacle course and they had to wrap through the obstacle course. They had like relay races with rhymes and we used to have other times we would throw balloons at each other and you had to like play tennis with raps. And it was like turning rap on its head and making it fun, you know, like how do we change this, 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 I, I guess the, the way that we learn and how we educate people, like why does it always have to be one way? Why does it have to be this way where I'm pointing at a board and saying like, I give you this information and you regurgitate it back to me. Instead, I was like, how about we learn in ways that we actually learn? You know, like we learn a lot from fun. We learn a lot from being in situations where we're uncomfortable or we're trying something new and, you know, being challenged in ways that we're not anticipating. So uh, 
it has been a brilliant thing. I love uh, my my co-facilitator, Def C. Uh, he's amazing. He, he teaches in at different schools in Oak Park, and he's brilliant. Just just a brilliant mind, man. And uh, I, I appreciate YCA for giving us so much uh, freedom. And we've grown a community so much now. We have, uh, you know, tournaments and different skill set uh, uh, based challenges. And uh, it's been an amazing journey so far. Well, Ed, too, it's, it's neat to hear about both of these ways that you're impacting your communities. And um, it's, it's just exciting for me to hear. And so many uh, think about rap in, in ways that, you know, well, I like rap or don't write like rap or, or whatever. But you're not you're dealing with with lives. You know, you are um, impacting lives through a style of music and through the writing as well, writing workshop and all that. I wonder if there are any uh, lives that you'd like to tell us about that have been impacted. Of course, you can leave the names out, but if, are there any stories that come to mind that um, you've seen like, man, this made an impact because they were here and then, oh man, you know, there was an impact. There, There's, I got those for days. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, so uh, Hard to pick one, I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to pick one that stands out to me right now because there's like three that are screaming at me and so um one in particular was this young lady um really really young i think she was no more than about i i really feel like it's like maybe nine or ten and Mm. um she came to one of our virtual sessions and uh you know, I was I was really curious. I was like, this is a very, very, very young girl in this rap session that typically is teenagers and young adults. I was like, is she in the right space? Like, I was trying to make sure but her mom was there and uh, we was waiting to do our introductions. And when we did our introductions, she introduced herself and then her mom jumped in and said, hey, you know, um, actually, you know, we heard about this because, you know, she wanted to rap. And uh, she was she's a fan of yours. And I'm floored because I was like, what in the world? How are you a fan of me? And you're like nine years old. Like I didn't anticipate that. And <laughs> when, you know, and her mom later told me uh, that, you know, because we were talking back and forth all the time. And she's amazing. Like she can wrap her face off like she has so much energy, so much charisma. And her name, her rap name is one of the best rap names I've ever heard in my life. It go, her name is a uh, little bit saucy. Was, like when I heard it, I was like, okay, you've already won. You've won everything. <laughs> and so, um, but she she's overcame so much because her mom told me right before she started listening to the music and right before she started coming to you know the the workshops and writing and rapping, uh, she had recently just lost her sister. And her sister was maybe a couple years older than her. Like she, w- mm. she witnessed her sister passing, and her sister's like mm. ten or eleven. And she, she, her mom said she hasn't been. She wasn't talking. She wasn't like, you know, just, just really, you know, just in her own space of isolation. And mm. uh, after she started getting back to rapping, you know, her mom called me one time and she said she was. Just with tears in her eyes and was saying, you know, this is the first time that I've seen her 
kind of have that energy that she's used to have before that moment. And ever since then, every time I see her on Instagram, it's like a little superstar. Like she is amazing. Like so much confidence and uh, she, she's able to be herself. And that, that to me is the power of just being present in the ways that you're able to be, to be an influence in the ways that you're able to be, or just what music can do for somebody when they're given the opportunity. So uh, yeah, that, that story is probably like one of my favorites. Yeah. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. So um, not only do you like to work with the youth, though you being an artist yourself, a musical artist yourself, you also want to um, have a voice and educate people, listeners um, about the black community and um, the black culture and hip hop. Um, if you could just talk to us a little bit about what that means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we were talking the other day about um, what's going on, Al Green's what's going on, just, you know, what is going on. Mm. Um, if you want to just speak to that a little bit, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I, I think honestly, it's, we're in this very, very, very rough place of trying to heal, you know, like there's so much stuff going on within the world and within the community itself, it's a lot of hurt. And uh, I think we've watched it reach its boiling point. And uh, it's hard because in, in our culture, you know, we, we, we've been told, of course, about the American dream, American values, you know, like the, the things that we're supposed to be universal, you know, to, to everybody. And it always felt like there's an exception. It's almost like an asterisk next to us you know, like, oh, but wait, this doesn't apply in this condition or at this point in time for you. Uh, you may have to sit back and wait your turn. Justice may not look the same for you as it looks for everybody else. And it was always this thing of just accept it. And it's frustrating because there's so many times where it feels like we're written out of history. We're not being... I want to say valued in the way that we have contributed to what is the American culture. You know, like there's so many different elements to what everybody enjoys on a day-to-day basis that come from black culture. That is like, man, it it wouldn't be the same without it. You know, like music of course is the easiest example for me because it's like, I was watching the Bee Gees documentary the other day and it's an amazing documentary if you ever get a chance to see it. I love the Bee Gees. Um, they, they are phenomenal and their harmonies are amazing. And they had mentioned that like, so, uh, one of the guys were talking about like this. It was one of the uh, music directors. He was like, yeah, was just, we've never heard anybody sing in a falsetto, you know, like the way they do. And then one of the brothers came up and was like, eh, no, actually, we've been watching, listening to black people sing falsetto as lead all the time and so it's a (laughs) lot of different spaces like that where you know culture we 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 drive a lot of things forward um we always add different you know slang and language to keep the tongue alive as far as what is the american language um and 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 i just think about like just what we do for for the world and so it's just like it's sad when you can get killed, you know, on on camera and it be shown on TV 
in like just in rotation. Just there's there, there's barely you barely even get a warning before you could see a black person killed on TV. There's no like like it's barely like a hey you should turn away from this. It's like real quick and they should know they're showing it and showing it and showing it and it's on CNN on the loop and you're watching it mm-hmm. and then it's like okay would you see anybody else get get this type of treatment mm-hmm. um but it's like how do you feel you know like when I talked to the youth about that I was like I know how I came into my understanding about these things but I asked them about how does that make you feel to watch these things or how does it make you feel to what to know that this is the world that you're living in and it's sad that it's 2021 and that there's people who still feel that they don't belong. Like, how could you be born here and feel like you don't belong? You know, like, so I just feel like as, for a lot of times as black people, man, you know, we, we get to a point where it's like, yo, I don't know how many times we can say it. I don't know how many which ways we can convey it. I don't know if it's like not... You know, it's not adding up in some form of fashion, you know, like even down to the saying about Black Lives Matter, like the fact that people twisted that up was like, you say you matter more than me. It's like, no, I'm just saying (laughs) I matter too. my life means something, too. Like and that shouldn't be a tough request, you know, like, no. And so when you speak to the youth about these issues and you ask them their questions and um, uh, what works better, the, the talking, the music, the creativity, the safe space that you provide, like what what is it that you can bring to them or that you've witnessed um, um, in your interaction with them? I think it's a combination of those things, of course. Uh, I think you need to have a safe space to uh, release those thoughts and how you feel like there's validation in how you feel because something triggered that in order for you to feel that way now we might be able to you know provide some sort of logic and reasoning why but before we even get to that space something led you to believe how you feel and we need to hear why you feel the way you feel so that's the first thing so we have these open discussions where i don't i don't try to curve what they're about to say i let them say it and I just listen and I don't listen to rebuttal. I listen to listen. And so uh, I digest it. And I just say, all right, thank you. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate what you want to follow up about this. Do you want me to expand on it? You want to talk about it right now? They'd be like, no, nah. I said my piece and that's it. And then that's it. And I move forward. And when they create the songs, uh, that is also therapy. You know, yes. like, like I always feel like music was definitely like the therapy that my parents couldn't afford. It's like this mm. space where you're like able to say something. The page doesn't judge you. It doesn't look at you like, yeah. all right, uh, take that out. Like it, it doesn't. It just lets you be yourself. And so when they record about what they're going through, the pain that they're seeing was going on in the community. It's, it's good because now I'm seeing it. It's like the thing that they care about the most is their art. So now that these thoughts about your community is in your art, then that means your heart is in your community as well. So I like how they all tie in together. And uh, but to watch those that that cycle come together is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And I trust that they're going to be far better equipped to deal with it than than we are, because they're they're already more integrated than we are. 
That is, that is really a, a powerful, powerful observation and experience that you shared with us. Um, you know, I just want to read a little a quote that uh, Common actually um, says about you, just an admiration of you, because you uh, are one of his favorite MCs. And he writes, um, quote, with artists like Ad 2, he is somebody who seems like he really cares about the culture and cares about uplifting people. And that's inspirational to see. I get inspired by people t- that do that. No matter what age you are, where you're from, when you're really trying to do something good, I see that and I'm like, man, it's a good reminder of what I should be doing. And that's yeah. what Common has to say about you. So yeah, thank you so much, Ed, too. Thank you so much. Thank thank you, guys. Like, that, that stuff does mean a lot because he's he's been a mentor to me. Uh, I work with his youth as well. And I remember just being around him and watching him give to the community. And I would just be like, man, he could easily be out here doing a movie. He could easily be out here doing anything else. But he would be given his time, and um, that's one of the best things that you could do. And I always say, like, if I could watch him do that, and he has millions of dollars and is, is always making movies and things like that, and he's always making time for that, then who am I not to take time out to do the same thing? It's all about you're inspired by him. You're inspiring others to do the same thing. And uh, that's a little bit about what we're doing here today, too. So. Man, what a pleasure to meet you and talk with you today. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. And that wraps up this episode of Just Stories. We hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again. Just Stories is a partnership with Our Savior's Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church, where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, and we recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing faith or of no faith. Our guests may or may not be members of Our Savior's Lutheran Church. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend, and please subscribe. Tune in next time for more of Just Stories.